Hiya and welcome to the Northern Girls Club podcast, conversations from the clubhouse. I am Lauren. Hiya, nice to hear from you and nice to see you. No, we need to start that again. Completely went tits up, don't know what I'm talking about. I need to yawn also, so it's not the end of the world. <laughs> Hiya and welcome to the Northern Girls Club podcast. If you usually take the mick out of Northern accents and or you are intimidated by down-to-earth and ambitious Northern women, then guess what, honey? This is not the podcast for you. We have got some cracking guests today and we are super, super excited. Hiya, I am Lauren, one of your founders, and I am here as usual with my cousin, Sasha. Hello, I'm Sasha, one of the co-founders of Northern Girls Club. And Sasha's going to introduce to you, with the formal introductions that they deserve, our two guests. Sasha, go for it. So today we have got the lovely Jess and Izzy. So Jess Southworth, which is here. Hello. Is Director of Sales and Marketing for Hotel Football, the brainchild of the class of 92 passionate about an industry she fell into by chance and is determined to showcase everything incredible about it to the next generation of hospitality professionals. She's from Droylsden and still living there in Thameside and has no plans to change that anytime soon. Good girl. Here we've got <laughs> Jess. Is uh, it? Come on, Sasha. I know. <laughs> it's been a long day, guys. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Izzy's a, is a director of student recruitment and international at University Academy 92. Founded by the class of 92 in partnership with Lancaster University. She loves to shout about talent, education, culture and diversity and is proud of her Bowie roots and mixed heritage. Oh my God. What, I'm not being funny. These introductions, they make we, me we feel like... We never know where to start. <laughs> like, yeah. Honestly, like if I was to write a paragraph like that... What would we say? Lauren from Burnley. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren from Burnley teaches a bit, has a bit of a business, but generally just wings more Mitch things. Found it, <laughs> founded yeah. Northern Girls Club 14 months ago yeah. without okay, a single okay. hashtag. So we need to practice what we yeah. preach and not do ourselves down. Yeah. But can I just say before we start, I feel like we're sat with the cool girls. We are. <laughs> the cool city girls. You can't oh, sit yeah. with us. You can't sit with us. Do we wear pink? We should be wearing pink. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really, really do. And can I just say, directors, director of this, director of that like come on that's serious business isn't that's it serious yeah. business we're not messing them out now no but out of all of that do you know what the best bit is Barry and Drylston yeah <laughs> yeah right before we get into the whole work spiel I want to go right back to the beginning because I think looking at the whole ethos of NGC and just being sat here as northern women let's talk a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up because our town mm. although it has its faults and it has its characters has shaped us like exponentially so Izzy let's start with you mm -hmm. Bury now when I think of Bury I think of that do you remember when Bury had that big all-you-can-eat buffet place the Chinese. <laughs> did you go there it does not surprise me that I remember that <laughs> sorry that about that <laughs> I actually I went on a date there I went on a date okay. there needless to say it did not work out yeah. because why would anybody take me on a date there but it was most awkward oh, date no you can't go right to down my street you can't go to an all you can eat on a date well, I think of black, black puddings. Is that I was accurate? just going to say, yeah. all to Absolutely. think so of. Talk black to pudding, yeah. Black pudding, The Rock, the Millgate Shopping Centre. Is Don't that know it? if you're allowed to go there, but when you were allowed to get the bus there on your own, you made it in <laughs> oh. life. That was like a, a key milestone in my life. Yeah. But yeah, I'm from Berry. I live in a tiny little village called Summersea. 
and it was dead nice, dead quiet, dead boring. Was I it the, the posh average bit? Age, yeah, quite posh. The average age is probably like 80. Okay. And we were like the only brown kids in the village. And like that didn't feel weird to me for a really long time. And so I loved it. I felt comfortable and safe. And I was telling Jess on the way over here that the reason we lived there was because my dad grew up in Moss Side and it was dead rough and he didn't want his family anywhere near that. So he moved to the place that he thought was the safest that he wow. could find. And one day him and my mum had driven through Somerset and they'd come across and then that's where we lived all our life oh, in parents, loads of different yeah. houses yeah in loads yeah. of different houses i think we take it for granted now because most sides change its reputation yeah. and people live there and raise their families mm. there but back in the day that was a mm. bad place to raise your yeah, kids yeah yeah you didn't want to sort of repeat those generational cycles mm. so that's why we grew up there and then i went to school up near here in rottenstall we smashed you at yeah. rounders how old you're younger than yeah me. but you'll you? never beat me at netball and oh, that's yeah. what's really well, important how old are you you're like 29 Oh my god! Right, yeah. so I'm 32. We've got years on everybody. It's we have, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you never beat me yeah. around us. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We were flying back in the day, but we used to play. I didn't BRG. play around us. No. no, that doesn't surprise me. No. <laughs> Our school didn't offer that. It wasn't the best. <laughs> so you were you grew up somewhere sleepy? Yeah, and yeah. sort of were actively in the right way being parents had taken away from that, and then mm -hmm. found yourself back in the city. Yeah, because I had really strict parents. That's literally mm -hmm. burying Millgate as a milestone was like. You'd think that I was, was like it. 12, 13. Now I was like probably 16, 17 when I was allowed to go there. Wow. Mm -hmm. So I lived a really sheltered life, which I'm grateful for now. They wrapped me in cotton wool to an extent. But then when you live in a sleepy town and then you go to a sleepy school in another sleepy town, you kind of think like, what else is out there? And yeah. you watch films growing up and you think, oh, I want a cosmopolitan lifestyle. I want to live in a city skyscraper. And actually I found out that that's not me. Yeah. But I just love working in the city yeah. and I'm drawn to it. And whenever I drive through Manchester city centre, because I've always worked a bit around the outskirts, I'm like, oh my God, I love this city. Yeah. Like, I get like a renewed energy every time I'm there. But that's really interesting because this is something that we talk about quite a lot. Mm -hmm. This idea that when you come from perhaps a town that maybe isn't the greatest, doesn't have the best aspirations. And especially for me when I was younger, I remember vividly, been hammered the message that you will only succeed mm. if you leave Burnley yeah. and you have got to go and live in a city and you have got to go to universities elsewhere and that is the only way that you will be successful so it's interesting to hear people mm -hmm. like you people like ourselves that have tried that and actually there is nothing wrong with staying in your hometown making a success of that you can venture out you mm -hmm. can go and work in the city that's great mm -hmm. but I think it's really important to rewrite that narrative that you can stay in towns and you can be successful and you can be happy in your hometown. Yeah. You don't need to leave it. And I think the narrative around that time, and even when I was in my first few jobs in Manchester, was like Berry and Rosendale don't have much commerce. Like there's not enough no, there infrastructure isn't. and industry there. But actually people have the power in these places to create those businesses where locally, if they're passionate about the local area, give back to the local area. And it's not until you're older that I think you realise the beauty of where you live. So the countryside, driving over here at sunset was absolutely stunning. Yeah, you do not get no, that in the city yeah, centre. You don't, yeah, it's no. a compromise. So like for me, living in the countryside and working in town is definitely the best of both worlds. The commute's not great, but I listen mm. to a few podcasts. I'll be listening to this one mm. and it, oh, it makes better. it fly by. That's refreshing to hear though, that you can have the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. You can be in a town like ours and the countryside, we love it. That That's absolutely yeah. the, the redeeming factor, but you can still kind of dip your fingers in that city life and have the best of both worlds. Yeah, definitely. Because there'll be kids out there that don't know that, that think that they need to leave and they need to there'll go be, and live in a city. But there'll be adults successful. out there who don't know yeah. that. <laughs> don't Northerners still have this thing. And again, I'm speaking stereotypically and being Northern is nuanced and it's more than what it's cracked up to be, whatever. But don't we make a thing about London? 
I don't know about yeah, it. Probably She's in London. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, so-and-so is uncontactable today because yeah. they're in London. It's yeah. like a massive thing, it is. isn't it? It's like, yeah. I'm getting the train. Where to? London. London. Like, it seems to be this place where everybody goes. Yeah, it's just, it's massive. Yeah. And it, it doesn't need to, although, yes, there is the element of the gravity there and a lot of talent is pulled away from the north and yeah. goes down there and that's a whole different episode probably. But it doesn't need to, it can be, actually, yeah, I, work, I live here, but I work there. But on the flip side of the perspective, like we probably take where we grow up for granted because mm. we don't see the beauty in it when we're there. But I speak with kids that have grown up in Gorton who have never seen a sheep or a cow oh, in a yeah, field. Yeah. They're 18 years old. Some of them have lived in Gorton all their life and they've never been to Manchester city centre. So actually there's people who are living in the city who crave the countryside, people mm. who live in the countryside who crave the city. And it's just about how we can facilitate people traveling around and seeing more of the local area and feeling like they're more, mm. they've more traveled where, they, where they've grown up and they get to know the roots but you know all about that i mean i'm just trying to now sit here and think of all the things that charles and scott and we've got a brown canal we've got a canal that's got a few shopping trolleys in it whoever named that was not messing around this is it so yeah i think charles probably we're not quite the countryside we're not the city centre. It's probably, it's that little suburban, just out of the city um, kind of feel. There's nothing there. There, there isn't. Or probably in the past year or so, we've started to now get a couple of restaurants, which is exciting. Um, but growing up, like, there's nothing. So, I mean, we ended up there because my, so my mum's side of the family, one was Ukrainian, one was Italian, kind of fled where they were for whatever reason, ended up in London. Decided London. they didn't want to be in London <laughs> and then moved to a, a smaller village up um, up past Ashton, like Staley Bridge. And then my mum made the decision when she met my dad. She didn't want to live in Staley Bridge. He lived in Burnage, South Manchester. And that somehow they decided that was this in-between. This in-between with nothing, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but but home it's, the home. Yeah. Like, I say, it's the community and stuff that makes it. Mm. And I remember, you know, I, I look at, I've watched things like Gilmore Girls and I think of their little like stars hollow. And I'm like, that's yeah. Drawsden. Yeah. Like we got excited about yeah. Saxon Mill getting blown up and like, burnt to rubble so we could build a housing thing and a, and a park and it's yeah. like that's what we did when we were kids I love that I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there communities everything I think possibly when you live in a city because I, I, I have lived in Manchester I've lived in the northern quarter and personally for me didn't like it at all yeah. because I felt so anonymous there I yeah. felt like such a stranger and I've come from a town and this has it this has it, its pros and its cons everybody knows everybody Everybody knows everybody's business, mm. but you belong <laughs> and you feel it and everybody takes care of everybody. And suddenly when I was on these big, massive city streets with complete strangers, I lost that. And yeah. it sounds quite cliche, but I feel like I lost who I was and my yeah. identity. And I came back to Burnley and for all its flaws, you know, I would live in Burnley hands down any day over Manchester yeah. because of community. This is it. It's like, obviously when you're a teenager, it's not so hot because there's always someone with their eyes watching you. Yeah. But yeah. obviously like now me with, with kids myself, I know that, you know, when my, when my youngest decides to go out on his bike and I know that he's not on the street next to me with his friends, mm. I know he's disappeared to the field. I know there's someone there that we yeah, know that's kind of got their eye mm. out for him. So it doesn't matter that there's nothing there. You make the most of it, don't you? That's it. And I guess no one ever told me, or you, I'm assuming you correct me if I'm wrong, that actually coming from the towns that we've come from, 
that is part of your superpower because mm -hmm. you are taking, I mean, I know we do it and I guess you guys do it all the time, a whole new perspective. So you know what it's like to work, you know, to live somewhere where there's not much going on. So you're trying to create stuff that's going on mm -hmm. to, for, for other kids, you know, and similar to yourself, there's people and community there that you know you can rely on and therefore you're taking that with you. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that you have to move away and mm -hmm. become somebody completely yeah. different or yeah. change yourself. Mm -hmm. You just shape based on what yeah. you've been shaped like yourself. But it's like, it's like what you said, is it? Um, there, there are people that live in that live in draws and have done for years and it's taken however, however many years to do it maybe the pandemic has done it I don't know but all of a sudden these people have come out of nowhere and there's now a few restaurants that they were never there these oh, people have lived there cool. all their lives and all of a sudden it's like we're sick of seeing the town centre like that let's do something mm. yeah and it's like they've had it in them the whole time but it's taken something to make them do it mm. you great well, pizza yeah. as well so so this is madness because having these conversations and then I probably understand a little bit more about what you two do because mm. I stalk the hell out of both mm. <laughs> than perhaps what you do. And a I'm bit. not very business minded at all. So my brain does not work in business terms. So hearing your involvement in business, where you started, how you got there. So this is, that, just, this is the point, isn't it? This is what literally fires me up more than yeah. anything because mm -hmm. looking back when I've grown up, I've always been entrepreneurial, but no one ever used that word for me. So do you know when you hear those really cliche stories of people selling stuff out of the lockers? It was never anything like that. But I would always, I would go to a birthday party as a kid and I'd think, well, I would have done it this way. <laughs> and I, I still think like that now, mm -hmm. but nobody ever really like chivied me along and, and sort of showed me whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason that I'm so buzzing that you're both here is because I absolutely... I'm obsessed with Gary Neville. <laughs> Not only do I fancy him massively. Oh can we get God. him on this podcast? Oh, makes one of us. I, know, I, know, but I don't know him like you guys know him. And I'm not making this episode about him because it's not about him. It's no, about it's you guys. Not. No, it's not about him. It's just about him. But I want to know, like, because I know what he projects and the messages and the ethos and everything that he puts out there because I work in football myself. Mm -hmm. So I know how well regarded he is and how he's taken his football platform and built this amazing business portfolio that you're both a part of. <laughs> what I want to know is what it's like on the ground for mm -hmm. a Northern girl within an institution like that. Because for me, that would never have even been on the table. I can't stress to you enough. Like my dad was very, very strict, perhaps like yours, mm -hmm. um, Izzy. I wanted to do psychology. I wanted to move away. I wanted to become an educational psychologist, perhaps work in reform in prisons. Dad, no chance. Mm -hmm. Lauren, you're really good at English. You should go and do English. Mm -hmm. So I went and did English and I came home and he was great and he was proud. Now I'm not saying that was a mistake because he played to my strengths, but I do sometimes wish someone would have just put, just pushed yeah. me a little bit. Mm -hmm. So let's think about your sleepy upbringing or your upbringing in Droylston and let's think about school and post school and the jobs you did then mm -hmm. that maybe perhaps put you on the path to where you are now. Yeah. What did yeah. you do after school? I speak to people about this a lot, mm -hmm. particularly young people who don't see the value in your earliest work experience. Yeah. My first job was in Rottenstall shoveling horse poo for maybe yes. 12 hours a day. I was a stable hand. I used to be half scared of half the horses and in love with the other. So it was a real like fight or flight situation yeah. a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. But I would do that for free in the freezing cold Saturday and Sunday. And in return, I would get a 30 minute free horse riding lesson, which I couldn't afford at the time. So yeah. that was like stardust. It was magic. Yeah. That taught me what it was to work really hard. That was my first ever taste of what really, really hard work felt like and getting no financial return. Reward. Not really. Yeah. It taught me the value of doing what you love and enjoying it. Yeah. And that was honestly a set me off on the best path ever. But not only that, so I used to have to take like, 
really scared young three or four-year-old boys around on these big horses. Their parents would be on the side, scared to death for them. I'd take parents around on horse riding lessons, leading them around the arena. And they were so scared. And a lot of what I did was like disarming them and, and making them feel safe and comfortable, building rapport so that week in, week out, I'd be like, oh, did you enjoy your birthday party yeah. last week? And that's actually when I learned my aptitude for customer service, not mm. behind a till or in retail, which I did after for years. It was in the horse riding arena mm. and it was absolutely it yeah these kids like don't even really want to be here mm, at this no. point and I'm like oh just three more trots and you'll be allowed to go home <laughs> yeah. and get in a shower <laughs> I love the word trots I've always hated cardio all my life I used to have to run for but that's what taught me about my resilience and my tenacity and my yeah. grit but more importantly it taught me how to flex what I was talking about to different mm. people and that's when I knew that I could literally honestly do anything I wanted to because and, I was working for free and I was happy to do and it that, and that's what we don't see nowadays and mm. that's what our young I was just going to say uh, yeah. on social media like yeah. no one's like hashtagging or like bragging about yeah. their first jobs and yeah, they're just yeah. not doing whereas and I can completely echo your story we touched upon this slightly last episode and we will get into it perhaps more in a different one but I'm from I cut my teeth at Weatherspoons. So I worked for years and years behind Tough. the bar of Weatherspoons. Yeah. I worked um, in the one in, in, a, in a, well, town centre Burnley and I worked at the one at inner city Newcastle. And honestly, 90% of what I do now in my business, yeah. in the classroom with people are the skills that I honed working behind the bar in Weatherspoons. Mm -hmm. When we were five deep post-match day and I was being sworn at, spat at, where we'd run out of Budweiser and people mm -hmm. were kicking off, where I've had to press the mm -hmm. panic alarm. All of those things that I dealt with when I was 15, 16, you know, growing up, pot washing, whatever. Oh my God. I yeah. Yeah. And so I think much You know that last day vibe, don't oh, you? Yeah, I love it. It's beautiful. But I, I think with, with what you've just said there with the skills, for me, you can teach all the skills in the world. Yes, I get that. But that's where I get so passionate about hospitality because mm. it's a vocation mm. and I don't yeah. care what anyone says mm. that's in you regardless oh, now yeah. that's th that little piece that you've got you'll take that with you and but, but for some reason people people frown upon it mm. if I go to some places it's like oh so you're a waitress mm. oh so it's this it's but like no there's much more than that and it's social media, isn't it? And yeah. I think everyone has got has got that one job that is character building. And what kids don't see these days is the process. They yeah. see the polish, the perfect, the end result. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they see Molly May, who's whatever she is now, I don't know, director of Pretty Little Thing. Mm. They don't see all the background of what she what it took for her to get there. Yeah. I think kids now, they've got such a skewed version of reality. I mean, yeah. I absolutely get ripped by the kids at school because I used to work at McDonald's. They think that is the funniest thing ever. And I'm like, well, when you leave school, what job do you think you're going to get? Yeah. Well, what job do you think you're going to get? Yeah. Honestly, in recruitment, if I saw someone that worked at McDonald's, yeah. I would shortlist oh, them immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can I work knew, at McDonald's. Yeah. You can work anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because Lauren used to work <laughs> at the Weatherspoons in town. Yeah, yeah. I used to work at the Mackies across the road. So we'd meet up after doing our shifts. I'd be like, bloody hell, that was a killer. <laughs> but I maintain, I say this to the kids, and honestly, hats off to anyone that works at mm -hmm. Mackey's. If you can work at Mackey's, mm -hmm. if you can deal with those people, you could do anything. Yeah. And when I started my teacher training, I actually did uh, cover supervisor work first and teaching assistant. And I had the kids like that because I knew how to control them because of people at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. yeah. And kids don't see that. They don't see that graft. And, no. you know, you've got to do the shitty jobs yeah, yeah. because... 
that's how life works. In, yeah. in recruitment, we well, historically in the companies I've worked for, we've looked for this paper round gene, right? Paper rounds don't happen anymore. No. And they were pretty much criminal when they did because you got absolutely no money for them. Yeah. 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 But everyone needs this paper round gene. And it's the first rule you ever did that didn't necessarily pay anything. It was like what you did to cut your teeth. And if you find that early on, then actually it, it shapes every single mm, thing yeah, you do after right. that. Oh, but now that paper round gene isn't glamorized. No one talks about it enough. And I'm guilty for like always posting the nice bits of my role. But I've started talking about those early experiences mm. a lot more because mm. actually you only need to hear one time that I started off as a stable hand and now I'm doing what I'm doing, which mm. seems like is completely unrelated yeah, to, the, yeah. to the first role. But it's role. not, is it? But it reminds yeah. you that whoever's listening to this today and they're a stable hand, actually this can navigate into any role you want it to be. Yeah. Just take the skills, take the character building and then translate it into whatever career you want. And you can have 10 careers because we're going to work for 60 years. So six years oh, in God. each career. That's if you want to go into the prison, if you want to go into a prison, <laughs> oh. you have to do it. But Jess, you saw right, like hospitality is so much more than that because I work behind the bar at Weatherspoons. We would open at six in the morning. And we would get men from a whole cross-section of society. So we would get ex-veterans, we would get alcoholics, mm. we would get homeless men and they would wait till nine till we could serve alcohol, but they would come in at six. <laughs> and when I was young and I was really naive, I'd be like, oh my God, who would be in the pub at six o'clock in the morning? And I'd go in and I'd open up and I'd be like, are you John morning? You know, like you are like getting mm. the coffee machine fired up or whatever. And as you slowly get to know these people, they can't afford the heating bills at home. So they're in the pub because it's warm. And they have nowhere else to go. So they yeah. read the secondary newspaper that we've left over on the bar. And all of a sudden you start to chip away at your understanding of society and your maturity mm -hmm. levels. And you start to think, oh, okay, I'm, I'm not just a bar girl. I'm yeah. never going to be just a bar girl. So I guess it is. It's more than that. I think we ju just mentioned their paper round. My, my first one was because I ran up a phone bill and my mum made me get a paper round. Oh my God, the same thing happened right. to me. It was <laughs> 200 pounds. Honestly, 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 never lived it It wasn't it. worth it. And I had to do it. It was not worth it. I used to give my phone out to everyone to let them use it. And I had to then get up. My school started at eight o'clock. I had to then do the paper round from half five to make sure I then wow. got to school for eight. And in the end, my mum was like, enough's enough, you've been late for school. So she dragged me to this new little coffee shop that was being built and said right I need the number of this person and she's like Jessica you need to ring on Monday you need to get an interview at this this cafe right it was the best thing I ever did mm -hmm. but similar to what you said there with the weather spoons you started to it, I loved it right it was my empire right I'd been bitten by this bug and that's it and I didn't know that that would then shape me to want to work in somewhere where I am now but back then I'm this like 13 14 year old taking pride in my little window display, getting my cotton wool out for my for my scones in yeah. the front and all this, right? But you start to know the characters coming in and it was, you know, Harry, you come for his fish and chips because he could get fish and chips on a Friday for £1.50. And he, he, you know, that, that ticked off a meal for him for the week. Or um, it being boxing day why i was in there why we were open on boxing day i'll never know but boxing day <laughs> because this, people uh, need this it. is it yeah. a mum coming in with her with her two kids and they tell me that the dad had taken his own life the day before and they found him on christmas morning you know that stuff like that no. and you think i'm 14 yeah and i've gone from running up a phone bill and now you're someone's counselor by accident mm. but i think it's stuff that i think it was like a sharp thing of reality like these people are all living around us and actually everyone has got mm. their own Everyone's got their own issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a lot of issues at home at the time and you kind of like, I found myself living there yeah. basically um, just because I didn't want to be at home. So I, I mean, I also cottoned on, you could get a lot of good overtime, but you know, you started to try and give your time up to these people, but I'm like 14, what do I know? Like, but you know, Brenda wanted to have a chat. You've so, got to get out there, haven't yeah. you? Mix with people because you sort of, 
the quicker you can realise that everyone comes with a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that doesn't matter whether you're the CEO of flipping God knows how many companies or whether you work in, in a cafe. Like mm-hmm. if you can just tap into that person's story yeah. or you can get on their level, like, wow, that's mm-hmm. that's it basically. That's what I do in my business. And I guess yeah. that's what you do in yeah. your roles. I just don't think kids today realise how lucky they are to have unlimited minutes and data. Because oh, <laughs> that was a big right. part of the phone. Honestly. Honestly. I used to have to trudge to spot with a tenner. Yeah, and top up a tenner and you'd send them, do you remember the graphic pictures to yeah. like, do you know oh, what I mean? Graphic, like, yeah. gra- no, they know they were graphics, like they were like images. Multimedia yeah. they were like messages. Nike ticks yeah, yeah, in like little, yeah, yeah MMS. Yes. The songs. Not gra- yeah. You'd literally like, type the songs. Like, excuse me, can I get you? Excuse me, can I just get your code so I could like cheat and put the code in so I got Nelly and Kelly dilemma. You know, it's ridiculous. But, you know, I no one, I don't think they realise, do they? No. Wait, wait till after six o'clock so you can phone someone. Well, that's interesting though because conversation now is so what's the word I'm looking for unlimited yeah and dispensable <laughs> yeah whereas back then you'd have like 20p credit on your phone you'd be texting your boyfriend or whatever or someone that you fancy yeah, yeah. and you'd have to say last text and you had to oh really God, think yeah. about the words that yes. you use and now kids just talk so much just because you've got everything on the fingertips. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's like writing letters. Bring back writing letters. Oh, what you're going to say. Mine lived yeah. in Oh, I miss them. Hope they're okay. Yeah. If you're listening, kiss you on. Right, okay. So, Sorry. <laughs> we digress. We're so loud. We, we talk rubbish here. Right, Jess, hospitality then. Obviously, mm. you've been bitten by the book. Now, that echoes completely what we just chatted about with Z because she was into martial arts and she got bitten by that bug when she was younger. Well, I guess what we're trying to tell all you pesky kids who have unlimited data is go and get bitten by loads of bugs till you yeah. find the bug that you enjoy the bite of the most. Yeah. So how did it go from working in a cafe to being a director of hospitality for what is probably one of the coolest venues that I've ever been in? Mm-hmm. Like, come on, how did we get there? Uh, okay, so we did deliberate this a little bit because I didn't know how to say it, but essentially I got pregnant. Okay. Okay, so I so I worked in the, I worked in this cafe, did for a number of years, um, loved it. Obviously, it was while I was still at school. And then I, I did my GCSEs, got my results, fine. And then enrolled in college on the wrong course. This is after trying to sign up for the army, by the way, and having my mum get me out of it. So I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> don't ask me. I found out I had to do a run in the morning and I was like, why have I done this? And the sergeant literally came to my house. <laughs> like, back to li- oh, honestly, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And my mum had to literally be like, she's not, not doing this. Anyway, I don't know why I'd be now, but anyway, um, so, so this had happened. I'd enrolled myself on col- in college. My logic then was probably similar to the English theory. My only A was in IT. So I was like, right, I'm going to do this IT course. I'd put myself on a higher one. Again, don't know what I was thinking. No idea what binary is. Couldn't tell you what to do with it now. Um, but probably about two, three weeks in, I found out I was pregnant. So you're 16, you're thinking, oh, I'm on the wrong course. I kind of needed to tell my mum I was kind of drop that but I can't now because you know she's yeah gonna, which one's she gonna tell me off about and it was a bit of a weird <laughs> deliberation um and then it literally it was that that made me think right I'm just gonna have to suck it up and I, I mean I did it but that's when I started to that's when I started to go on this journey of understanding that life isn't fair you're gonna get obstacles it's a bit of a nightmare and not everyone not everyone is gonna see this the same thing as you and I started to get really, I started to get really angry with the world. Probably as a teenager, I was an angry, I was probably angry as a teenager, but now looking back, I think I was just really frustrated. Yeah. And 
I was due with my, I was due with my daughter in the June. So I thought, right, I'll leave college at Easter and I'll have her in the June. I'll come back in September. And it was like, yeah, 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 whatever. So that's what I did. And I finished all my assignments. I did it because no one is telling me I'm not doing it right. Similar to you. Once you realize you've got it in you, you're doing it. Yeah. So anyway, I had saffron. Everything's fine. Go back in the September. My pass doesn't work. My logins don't work. Nothing works. And I go to try and find out from a course tutor who was a woman. And she said, oh, I didn't think we'd see you back. And I was like, brilliant. So it was, it was between working at the cafe and obviously being very proud of what you're doing, finding something out so you kind of go right down to the bottom to then this. I'm like, right, all right. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I am going to do it. And I'm going to annoy you mm. because you're going to see me every day mm. and, and, I, and I will finish. So I ended up passing with like triple distinction. That's, that's I so I couldn't cool. tell you what I learned now, no. but, I, but, but I did it. it. <laughs> and like, I was like, no one is telling me I'm not doing it. Passed with a triple distinction, got an award off the queen. Oh, anyway. What? Right, sorry, you got that. I got this really big fat check in the post round. It's 25 no. quid. <gasps> She's a big spender. I got a mac was it day, like personally you. by the Queen? Oh, it was a print, but yeah. anyway, whatever. But obviously... I would, I would cash because, in on that for yeah, life. Because, I, because I'd been that annoying, yeah. I think, it was probably really frustrating for the college because when it had got put in for this thing, whatever it was, it was like a Jubilee celebration. Mm-hmm. They, they had no choice but to like, mm. where she is, because she, she did it sort mm. of thing. So I knew it wound them up mm. and I took really smug pride in mm. that. But I think it was because of that. So if I'd never have done any of that, I would not be doing my job now Mm. because that then gave me a little bit of, it gave me a little bit of, probably a bit of confidence, even though I wasn't very confident. It gave you that But it gave me a bit of a A thing. Yeah, yeah, to be able to be like, I'm going to do it. And what I think as well about working class kids is, and you, you feel it at the time, but you don't know what it is. And I remember feeling at college and at school. I mean, my school, I won't go into it, but it, it was so... <laughs> Do you mean Zoom? Oh, God. <laughs> it, it was so disadvantaged. It was so feral. It was so... It, it was the worst school ever. And I, I have to actually just clarify here that I do work at the school that I used to go to oh, as a kid, but it is a million times mm-hmm. better. They're doing and what a great we job, do for yeah. those kids that walk through our doors, honestly, I, I could not be prouder. It's completely yeah. different. But I remember as a kid feeling, I, I didn't know what it was and how to articulate it, but that sense of injustice and why are things harder for me? Yeah. Why am I not getting anywhere? Why am I being told because I'm from Burnley, I need to leave and I need to go to this unit and I remember feeling off yeah and I was like you know I was like do you know what I'm gonna smash these A-levels mm, yeah. and I did and I got three A's and I think that fire that comes from that injustice and kids probably don't know what it is yeah. but that fuels mm. working class kids and kids that are privileged have never had to making a sweeping statement here because I know life's hard for everybody but I think we have that sense of it's harder for us mm-hmm. but we're gonna fight for it and we're gonna get there yeah mm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly that. It is that. But mm. at the time, like you say, you don't know what that feeling yeah. is. And I just remember thinking, I mean, don't get me wrong, at home was fine. You know, I'd, I'd put my mum through a lot of stuff, but I was like, you, I am not going to leave this college without finishing what I'm doing. In the end, I said I wouldn't get onto a uni course. So I did. But mm. I, I never wanted to go to university. It wasn't me. I wanted to come work in the cafe and live above it. That's what yeah. I wanted mm. to do. Like, and if they'd have built an apartment above there, that's exactly what I'd have done. Yeah. But... Um, Someone had someone had introduced me to a company that was doing um, university courses part time as long as you got like a sponsor from a full time business. Oh wow! And 
I'd since moved from the cafe, I'd gone to work in retail and all I had to do was four hours a week. I got discount on baby clothes, that was why. Oh, you know, <laughs> logic, off the job. logic again. But all I had to do was four hours, but then four hours killed me. And I had to pretend I was going shopping every Saturday. I, had to, I couldn't, I literally could not do four hours. Give me 11 hours in that cafe any day. Yeah. And I, I couldn't do it. So someone had said about this course and the, where I was, we're like, oh, we do that. And I was like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Am I doing this uni course for four years with you? It's not happening. Mm -hmm. So I found a big hotel chain. So I, I joined Hilton and that was it. So that's literally Just taking how that, I then... Taking that big, that grit that you've had and that fire yeah. and making a step into an environment that effectively is just shaped mm. pretty 100%. much what you're doing now. 100%. And that's so, it. That's mad. Mm. But you see how that, that's what it means. Like yeah, no one from ever the cafe to that, you've mm -hmm. got to have But the skills are the same. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. You just don't know the transferable at the time, mm. do you? No. You, you don't realise that. So yeah, so mm. that, literally that's how hotel started. That's how, you know, eight years with Hilton, took a gamble on somewhere else, heard about a particular hotel opposite Old Trafford that was being built. And my general manager at the time before I left had said, oh, it's got your name on it, that, hasn't it? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I just need to figure out how I get there. And I stalked the place, let yeah. me tell you. I stalked <laughs> it for about six months before oh I joined. God. And honestly, I think they thought I was like a mole when I started. Because it was like, <laughs> yeah, we, a spy from I used a to go every away car. game. You were a spy from Man City yeah. or something. Li no, literally every away game, I would go for food with my kids, with my other half, literally. And they didn't know that it was me. But mm -hmm. I was like, I just wanted to make sure that if I was going to leave there, then mm. it was the right thing to oh, do. Savage. So just to yeah. paint the picture of hotel football, because you haven't been. No, I have been because I made it my business to go. Mm. So for example, <laughs> when we, we had our International Women's Day event at Hotel Football in your heaven suite, which is like got the sickest view I of the whole scene. Oh, you haven't? No, we haven't been in the bottom Yeah, yet. I was there at the event. You <laughs> yeah. just described. <laughs> so basically, if you haven't been in the I was literally going to say, I was like, I swear you were there. there. <laughs> yeah, well, you were there, but you haven't been around. Okay, sorry. I was in the venue prior to the event and I got, this crazy guy showed me around he was so much fun I don't know his name oh, but he was like my sure. new best yes him yes. he was like my best mate for life when I left <laughs> um, but I never really got the gravity of what it was that you were sort of aiming for there until I visited and had the whole experience mm. myself so for example let me paint this picture so I've just had this meeting with the artist and I've been shown around by Shan is that yeah. right um, and then I'm just having food in cafe football and then all of a sudden literally all the staff like stood to attention right this would never happen in school because adults in the school like kids just don't care yes, and literally everybody yes, all stood at the <laughs> and this guy walks in with like this big long Sherlock Holmes camel coloured trench coat <laughs> right and he's got he looks like money you know when people look like money and they smell like money he literally walked in in what could only be like fur or something and everyone's buzzing him around him and I'm like who is that so I asked Shan my new best mate and he was like, oh, he's some, you might probably, I don't even know who he was. Like, I'm really setting up for a failure with this story. <laughs> um, he was some football commentator, Simon, I don't know, Simon, someone. Apparently he was like, well, really well known. Oh, and but literally the way your staff were, they were not asked. Mm. They were just, were not asked. They were mm. just like, they showed him what to do, showed him where he was sitting, whatever. We had some prior appointment in, they were all brilliant. And I was like, oh my God, who's that? And it was only at that moment where I thought, oh my God, Working in the public sector and working in the private sector, like you get to deal with the most amazing things. And Izzy will come to you in a minute, like how you've got into your role. But I'm going to give you the raw, honest truth into the perks of our job. Now, obviously, it's a vocation and it's education and it's teaching. And we get all of that. And I'm not doing away with that. We make a massive difference. And we know that we do day in, day out. However, we get no perks to the job at all to the point where we get bollocked for photocopying too much because we can't <laughs> afford it. 
No, and this is God's honest truth. Like my boss, if you accidentally printed something off at my old school and it was surplus to what you were allowed, you would get a bollock for it. Oh my God. One year, this is the God's honest perk for the job. So we went in Christmas. It was like Mad Friday, the, the day before we finished at Christmas term. And on everybody's desk in the school was one celebration stapled to it. I'm not no. joking. Are you joking? That's insulting. Where it was, just rather, it was one God. celebration stapled to a sheet of paper yeah. saying wow. like, thanks for like changing significant amounts of lives mm. teaching oh, my wow. birth etc and honestly when I was in horse football I thought I wish now I'm not doing all the way of that but sometimes I want a bit more than yeah. that you know yeah. like I did I, I do such a good job in what I do and like the kids care but it's they don't really thankless. care yeah and I was in hotel football and I was thinking I wonder if you realize like I know you realize but do you take that for granted a little bit is it I don't know no because like, I that's my one of my favorite parts of my job yeah go on tell me tell me what's good about what it but is but what I do. will say is that that piece where you're only getting a bit of chocolate on a piece of paper the people people aren't going into teaching anymore so no. I think there'll be a bit of a change and yeah you two could definitely drive it around like <laughs> the social element of a role and the not making it a thankless task anymore yeah. because less people are getting into teaching they're struggling for it yeah they have to start asking how they keep their employees engaged it's the, the retainment there's a yeah. massive massive issue I think yeah. more thankless I think I use that word more from the kids because kids are kids yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I understand them. and I think it depends on what school you work at I mean I love my school I live and breathe it I, it, it, <laughs> I can't decide whether I like this statistic or whether it's depressing, but you can I never say that word. You statistic, statistic. Thank you for that. For pointing out. <laughs> um, but I have spent. So I was there for five years as a kid. Obviously, I've been there for nine years. My maths is terrible. So what's that? Fourteen years. I've spent half of my life at that school. And for some people, that'd be Did like, you get oh my god, what a that? loser! I got a selection box. But do you know what? <laughs> Oh we feel God. valued, no, look at but we feel valued yeah. at our school and I mm. love my school and, and our, our staff. Uh, I mean, I'm lead practitioner of the English department. I hope that staff feel valued. Yeah. So I think teaching is a culture, but yeah, it's one of those, I live and breathe that school. But I think it depends where you work. But oh, it's yeah. very different. We get a celebration. You get, I don't know, you yeah. tell us. What are your perks? Yeah, so is it you? What yeah, are so your sleep- perks? That's we it, yeah. But hang on, so sleepy summer seat. Summer, summer seat, summer yeah. Summer seat. Summer seat. Director at UA, University Academy 92. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you who are perhaps listening who don't know UA 92, Izzy will do a much better job of explaining this, <laughs> but I kind of know this a little bit. I actually applied for a job there, is it? Oh, Quite a few years ago. Was that before I was there? Yeah, that's it. Well, you would have got it now. No, I didn't get it because I was on a bit of a mad one. That's a whole different story in itself. I was just like chucking my CV out in a frantic, hyperactive manner. But ignoring that. We'll aside, take that offline later. Yeah, if you yeah. could just get me, off the, get me off that. But how did that happen? How did I end up there? Yeah. So I grew up in Somerset, went to uni in Newcastle to Northumbria oh, University. Oh, no, I went to Northumbria. I mean, same, same sister. No, cool. I'd, rather, yeah. I'd rather be a poly. Oh. Anyway, no, I'm joking. So <laughs> I um, was going to do, wanted to do law and then my history teacher just did not like me and would not give me the predicted grade wow. that I needed to get into. So like my parents really wanted me to do law and they were really proud of that fact. And then that was just like completely taken away from me, even as an opportunity. So I was like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. And I think a lot of people who don't know what they want to do when they go to uni do business. So I ended up doing business okay. with HR. Honestly, like you said, I cannot remember, and this is more recent, no. can't remember a thing I learned. Honestly, nothing. A- apart from maybe my appetite for writing, which I appreciate now. But other than that, absolutely nothing factual. And I had to do a placement year as part of my degree. And I did my placement year at Enterprise Rental Car. Okay. Um, who still hire placement years and graduate schemes. And that was in Bolton. So I came back home for a year 
save some money, which I then spent all of in my final year. But Enterprise Rent Car was a customer service job. So what you were doing is working in the branch, dealing with all customers from all walks of life, rental car customers, retail customers, all different. Um, and again, it's the same horse riding analogy of like getting to know different people. Like I used to have to, if you broke down tomorrow, I'd have to come and pick you up from your house, drive you to the branch, complete stranger. Mm. Don't know how taxi drivers do it. Anyway, so one of the corporate accounts had signed Enterprise Rent-A-Car really liked me because I took extra care with their account. So one day I thought, you know what, I'm going to look after this all of the time. And so much so that they really liked my customer service and they offered me a job for the day that I graduated. So I went back to uni for a year knowing that the day I handed my dissertation in, I could go straight to this job in Bolton again. And I started in this role as like a sales and marketing role. And it was cool, but there was only a few of us in the office and there wasn't much of a vibe. So then I started to realize what it was to work in a culture and an environment that I really cared about, which I think mm. we both have. Like a, mm. I wanted to like meet like-minded people that were my age that I could go out with, like get to know people really well and like have more of a social life outside of work. And so I worked for a big tech company in Manchester I did four years there and I started as like an entry-level sort of sales admin and I worked my way up and in like less than two years, I was like director of that department and then I took on like a few other departments as well. And it was literally just, I worked the hardest. I definitely worked the hardest and mm. put myself out there. I did the cringy stuff that no one wanted to do, like posting about how much I love working there, writing blogs without yeah. being asked. Like I've literally been knocking on people's doors since the beginning of time and it's literally paid off and paid off and paid off. I left UK fast, I went to a different role, rushed that one, never leave a job in a hurry always take time yeah. like I wish I had that hindsight mm. but we went into lockdown and I was working for a company that I didn't really care about and I realized what my job was and I realized what I was doing day in day out and I didn't have any of the nice stuff none of the fluffy stuff so I imagine what it's like to work in education some oh of the time God. it probably felt a bit like that yeah. and I was like do you know what I need to do something where giving back is my day job I'd always had this like appetite for like doing more community work, giving back, charity. And I was like, I want to do more with my commercial skill set in a setting that makes a difference to the community. And it was just serendipity. Like this role came up at university. We love that word, don't we? Yeah, because yeah, like, there's no other word for it. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. This role came up at University Academy 92 and uh, the job spec was written in a way that would deter most people from applying if they hadn't been in higher education for a long time. But okay. I thought, do you know what? Gary Neville owns this. And I know that I can be like, authentic I can just be a bit gritty I can put like my, my resilience and my relentlessness across in my application and I think they might hear me out and I did I sold myself I actually looked for it the other day and it's a bit cringy reading it back <laughs> but I literally <laughs> put, good put everything cringe man really everything I could think of on that page I put in that application every single thing whether it was the first part of my horse riding experience the, the angry I used to scoop poo <laughs> where did you learn work ethic you used to shovel horse yeah. poo yeah. all well, day what do you want yeah. from for nothing yeah. where did you learn how to deal with a bad customer well one time one of the customers in Enterprise Rent-A-Car pulled out a crowbar from underneath the seat and like I could tell these literally real <laughs> stories to the point where people probably just thought we're gonna have to interview her because yeah. she's clearly weird and she's clearly got a lot of stories and then <laughs> <laughs> and I got the job and um, a lot of the interview questions were about how I would deal without having this higher education knowledge. There's a bit of a thing about higher education. It kind of, you stay in it forever and you're really technical and no one else can get into it. But I said, you know what? I won't have that knowledge, but what I will have is a commercial acumen, confidence, sales. I can lead teams. I can build teams. This is my strength. And I'm really passionate about the product and, and helping young people. And 
I got the job as head of student recruitment and admissions and I've been there like 20 months now, I think. And then I just got had my first promotion to director Ooh, of. Yes. I know, it's so good. And I took on yeah. apprenticeships and boot camps and international recruitment now. Oh my God. So I yeah. guess with you both being directors or mm -hmm. director of student recruitment, so ultimately you're accountable for the students that you get through the doors. Yeah. on their heads is funding and yeah. finance. Yeah. And mm. Jess, similarly, you're director of hospitality. So you're therefore accountable for the profit that's made through all the hospitality venues within hotel football mm -hmm. I don't think accountability is spoken about enough especially not women who have accountable roles mm -hmm. so before you tell me about your accountability what are the perks of working within this like, <laughs> like <laughs> because, because I really want to yeah. hear about Dave Jess because you get to uh, work with Dave yeah. and I really like Dave the rapper and you've met him through <laughs> it's work Dave, it's too cool Dave, for us she's saying Dave, 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 Dave like his own mate we like oh, Dave tell us about so come on yeah. you're in this amazing you're best mates with Dave how did that happen that's what we want to know so that it right so oh, when you say when you say perks there are perks that you would get from being employed but the perks like this are obviously but they're pretty pretty priceless. Priceless. Such accountable they perks are they, aren't they, they because you're bringing these people yeah. into this venue like they are they're, pretty, they're priceless aren't they so i mean that literally just came about because i so where we are next to old trafford so i look after the account for manchester united so oh, work with them really closely. I get an award from the Queen. I, I look after my just <laughs> yeah. I get a celebration yeah. piece of paper. So so basically, so that's that's like our liaison. Um so but what happened, really casual, it's the first barbecue we'd had after lockdown. And I was at my auntie's house and my phone was going and everyone is like frowning upon me because I'm like, I just need to answer this because I'm like, I recognise this number, but I don't know who it is. Yeah. And anyway, I answer the phone and it's one of the girls from United and she's like, oh, Jess, like, I'm really sorry to bother you. I think it was like a Sunday or a bank holiday. I can't remember. And um, she's like, I, I need to speak to you. She was like, basically, I've got someone who wants to do a um, album signing or an album launch and we can't do it because of COVID. There's a lot of restrictions, of, um, a lot of restrictions around getting in the stadium. So I was like, all right, okay. Thinking, oh, brilliant. Because it was literally like uh, two days later that they wanted to come in. Like, okay, nice one. We needed it because, mm -hmm. you know, we we, yeah, we were literally barely open yeah. at this point. And I'm like, we need it. So anyway, she says, yeah, she said, basically, he wanted to do it at United because he's a big United fan. But he mentioned, when we said we couldn't do it, he mentioned someone had actually messaged him uh, a couple of years back and invited him to the hotel next door and he wasn't sure who it was and she was like and I thought I bet I know who that yeah, is it's you so was it you yeah oh, oh, literally no, no, no. I, I did I so did and he replied so basically Dave's DMs <laughs> no I did honestly hey listen Izzy knocks on really good doors I have a glass of wine and message <laughs> yeah. people on Instagram like do but that, is, that is literally what I do but it works right so like a couple of years before it was before it was before we'd like for me he's always been big I've always like I've always enjoyed like following him whatever but it was before we got a ridiculous amount of followers on Instagram mm. right and I did message him and it's because he's a United fan and my brain is thinking if I get Dave in this building it'll change the demographic of hospitality Absolutely. and it won't be like middle-aged people with a bit of disposable cash it might in entice a you younger generation cool, yeah. that's what I thought right yeah. so that was my mindset it was nothing to do with anything else apart from that so I'd messaged and was like hi no you're a big United fan I'd just seen him literally tweet about United that particular moment so I thought right I'm going in so I did <laughs> And I was like, hi, I, was like, uh, I know you're a big United fan, just wondered, uh, I'm based at Old Trafford, I'm a hotel owned by um, Class of 92, et cetera, et cetera. If you ever want to come along, blah, blah, blah. I did the whole spiel, right? 
And then he replied. And I was like, oh. No, I'd die. No, oh, I can't just interject Honestly. here. So me and Lauren uh, no. messaged the most ridiculous people on Instagram. <laughs> and obviously we both won our uh, NGC Instagram oh, account. No, and I remember, I remember I went on our messages one, one morning. <laughs> and Lauren had been on a Madden messaging the most random people. And she had absolutely hounded inexplicably. You know, Heather Small, that singer. <laughs> what have you? done today to make you feel she's probably Heather Small on, on, on yeah. yeah. and I had to message I was like leave Heather Small alone please she's going to get straight in see oh, yeah. so we all do it but right? it pays off it does little did yeah, I know no she didn't reply she paddles but we get paddled so yeah but you know it. what one day she might be like you know what I'm going to reply yeah. right you don't know right so this was like start of 2019 or whatever and he but when he replied he replied like yeah, man, for real. Oh, and I'd like, uh, I'd get that tattooed yeah, on me. Like, here's my email. Here, here's this, here's this. And he was like, oh, brilliant. And that was that. And obviously he probably just thought absolute nutter. Yeah. He didn't block me. Thank goodness. AJ Tracy has blocked me on Snapchat, but whatever. We won't talk about that. <laughs> All right. You sure. Sure. Anyway, sorry, sorry, you just dropped your name there. Sorry. <laughs> on the floor. So, you know, anyway, I think I am. Everything's still pending. But, you know, that was because of my rampage a few years ago, but whatever. <sighs> um, anyway, so I thought he probably just thought, well, I'll reply and then she'll leave me alone. So I did. And I, I never heard anything. That was that. And it was only then, obviously, like, what, two two years later, two and a bit years later. But you remembered. That, and obviously you must have been like, now if you do it, you can't see he's got too many followers. But obviously this the, the girl from United was like, you know, can I do this? Can I link you in? Now, I do actually stay in touch with his manager quite a bit now because when they're in Manchester, he will say, can you help do a hotel or whatever, which is great. Um, obviously, definitely not Dave, but you know, James will do whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh, that was really mean. Sorry, James. Sorry, James. And that was really mean. Do you know what? Because he he's a really good guy, you know. Yeah. He's, he's lovely. James, he is lovely and he's yeah, quite supportive. So James, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. Like so, I've just thought about that. That was mean. But anyway, um, so things like that are really nice and it's great. It's a good experience. It was good to get him right, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So he came and performed his album live <laughs> and yes. then he invited you to his gig off the back of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which, which is really story, cool. Yeah. So that's a perk. But I'm perk. just imagining the scenes. If we were at a family barbecue and somebody rang us <laughs> and, said, from M people. and said, yeah, hi, hi this is uh, so-and-so. Uh, we've got, um, uh, can you do an event for Heather? Our family, imagine. They'd be like, Either they wouldn't understand. No, man, we're fuming. Yeah, because they're in the back. Like, it's Dave. Yeah, yeah man, man we're annoyed. Yeah. You're like, why have you been stood at the back of the garden all day? And I'm like, because yeah. I really need to take this. Yeah. Like, I really need to. I was like, you don't realise. Now, we didn't make anything off it, but in the the awareness and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, within, within like 50 seconds of him posting that he was at the hotel, there were people, I don't know where, they, I don't know where they'd come from, but they must have just literally, I could just imagine like ditching the shopping and yeah. jumping in Ubers wow. and Stuff. It was ridiculous. Dave, How about you? If you, you're listening, you, you got Dave. France. Yeah. Dave. <laughs> Dave. Yeah. Oh, wow. But it was it was a traumatic day for the hotel. I still can't I was talk about it. it now with my GM. He yeah. has PTSD, <laughs> and we can't play Dave on the playlist <laughs> in the restaurant. Every now and again, I put Funky Friday on, and it freaks him out. But you guys at UA ninety two, you must have your perks as well. But you just sponsored Manchester Carnival, is that right? Oh so yeah, you would have got was, to go there with work. That's one of my favourite perks we've ever done because that is us living and breathing our values mm. about being in the community. So like, we sponsored the carnival. How mad is that that, an, that a uni sponsored? Because when I, I went to choose my uni, it was like blowing the dust off prospectuses yeah, yeah. outside yeah. the office. At no, six I'm not a big fan of prospectuses. I think no, they're a bit. I think they have the place. I understand mm. people need the information, but. 
How, what better way to do it than to turn up where the community is? So basically we know that a lot of places try and, a lot of institutions try and purport that they do community outreach, they care about the local area, but they'll go and do one thing and then that's the end Mm. of it. We know that the community piece is about building trust and credit to my team. My team are fantastic. Karim in particular, he's built relationships in Moss Side where he's from, Openshaw, Gorton, Trafford, Hume and we're going into Salford at the moment where we're, we're permanently there. We're turning up, we're playing ping pong sometimes. Sometimes we're having deep chats, other times we're playing five-a-side football. So carnival is like a foot right Carnival's heart, like, yeah, carnival for me was like the crescendo of everything we've done all year wow. and also kicking us off for next year. What it was class, like saw my cousins there, people I know, like um, like unplanned, obviously. And they were like, what are you doing here? I was like, wow. oh, well, I'm, I'm here with work and they've never asked me what I've done before in my life. And now, now they know <laughs> what I do for a living. But that for me, there's perks, there's like the black tidiness that me and Jess always go to together because oh, we have a good not being funny these two take the <laughs> every time on instagram it's like they're at an award ceremony they're wearing a long amazing gown they're like oh they're just taking but let me tell you about award ceremonies and we're really we passionate about we don't know because we don't ever get invited to but do you know no what one gives a shit. we don't get invited to them but it's called self-promotion so oh, if i see an award all right so there's awards that you lot can enter you can enter each other for for the the podcast for the club there's awards that you can enter yeah. but you have to be in it to win it mm. and so many people are like how are you and jess always at these dues if i see something with jess's name on it that i think that girl epitomizes yeah, that we don't get that round because no. yeah. if we're not going to do it who's, who's doing yeah. it if not me yeah, who, yeah. Who, yeah. northern girls club awards Come we, we never get invited to anywhere. Like the only place we got invited to was on the turf for International Women's Day. We loved that. But that we actually loved it. That's yeah, why our yeah, shirt yeah. is up there. But we had such a good day. But and honestly, we were so buzzing off that. And it's hilarious because obviously thousands of people go on the turf every day. But for us, that was so mega, was, wasn't it? Honestly, we get no perks from yeah. this. So we're gonna, we need to put ourselves out there a little bit. Create your own perks. See, I yeah. think if, like, it, I, I find it really important, like Izzy said, because if, if we're if we're not going to do it, who else is going to? And I feel like with both of our businesses that we've got, hotel football, U N I two, they both they're like wild cards. Mm. And I remember years ago the very first awards um, that I went to with hotel football, and hotel football won People's Choice Hotel. The rest of the room were not happy. Mm. A particular hotel stood up and walked out of <gasps> that room. And Ooh. you know what? I was like, we'll, we'll win it again. Yeah. We'll do it again. And it's yeah. that same feeling it's, that you had at the cafe. Exactly. Yeah. Like, but why? Yeah. We're just yeah. different. You know, yeah. we take, you take the edge off the corporate. You take the edge off the education, how yeah. people mm. expect it to be. Yeah. And it's like, why can't we be like that? Yeah. Like times have changed, things are different. And I think that's probably why we both get a lot out of where mm. we are. Yeah, yeah. We, we are different. But I, I think l- you're right. If no one's going to put you forward, then put your bloody self forward. Yeah, yeah. Because why not? Yeah. But what, what perks would we want, Lauren? <laughs> free pie and peas for, for a lifetime Dave concert two celebrations D- yeah, Dave, Dave, Dave Gary Neville free pie and peas oh I yeah. but in the interest of like <laughs> keeping it real because Northern Girls Club like we have our feet on the ground yeah. 100% yeah. your jobs must be really hard yeah. and you must make big mistakes and you must well not necessarily make mistakes but you're accountable for things that if you yeah. did make a mistake that's going to bite you on the ass yeah, yeah. and again when women make a mistake at work it, it's it's sacrilegious you can yeah, get absolutely yeah. slaughtered for yeah. it I'm not asking you for specific examples but where have you messed up at work and what do you do about it mm. how do you deal with that in such a massive fast-paced industry like the ones that you're working in do you want now or do you want no I just want anytime. that general I mean obviously with time I guess your confidence has grown but have yeah. you, you know have you where have you made a mistake or where have you messed up and you've thought oh 
Do, do you know what? Probably in my time at Hotel Football, there was a... Apart from Dave, Dave, Dave was great on one aspect, but it you wasn't really on another. You really rub it in now, Jess. Like, no. you keep saying his no. name. Did you know that Dave went to Hotel Football? We know that no. Dave. Apart from that, like, gen, like genuinely, it, it was, it didn't end very nicely. So right. although it was yeah. great on the surface and what the media and saw. And what it looked like. It actually wasn't the greatest. And even though there was nothing I could particularly do to fix it after it was done, it was a bit like, we need to just play on what we've done. So I tried to make it positive and yeah. make sure we got a lot of media about it. That aside, when I very first started back at Hotel Football, sorry, there was, um, I think I was about a month in and there was a piece of business that I knew another hotel had and I thought I can get it and I, I'm going to get it, right? Yeah. Anyway, it was quite a big contract. If I'd, have, if I'd have won this piece of business, I'd have been done for the year for my targets, right? So I was like, I can really make a statement here. Went after it, did what I needed to do, got it. And I was like, result. And I was so happy. And I thought I've kind of cemented myself. It was a little bit tricky because when I started, I actually started and someone that was already on the team, I went in as their their line manager and it probably wasn't received very well. But I thought if I, I've got this now and I, I've probably proved myself, right? Anyway, it, the, the day came, it was a particular contract for bedrooms and the day came for one of them to, to come and stay and... They completely destroyed the bedroom, ripped the telly off oh the wall. Oh my gosh. The windows are like triple glazing. They're ridiculous, but they managed to smash the window and put the TV through the window. And it's all that stuff people wouldn't even think that they, you have to deal with. It was ridiculous. Like mm. they'd um, gone through, they'd managed to get themselves um, through one of the kitchens, literally just take food out and empty it on the floor, empty the milk. It was ridiculous, right? That was two days before um, a United home game where the hotel would be full and it'd be full for like a number of days. But I can now, imagine that, that physical yeah, stress. Honestly, I feel sick. Getting, getting yeah, a, I feel getting a message. Yeah. Literally getting a message yeah. and it's like, you're thinking there's, there's nothing you can do. No. But the, the people that were staying, they were, part of a, they were part of a show, which I won't allude to, but they obviously didn't have a method of payment. It was now the, the production company that would be doing it. And I thought... The only thing I can do is literally speak to these now. I was going out on a limb. Mm. I think that's the word, a limb. Yeah. I was going out on a limb and I thought I need to speak to myself and try to fix it. And I asked one of my colleagues to sit there with the recorder on, on the phone so they knew exactly what I'd said because I thought I could be I could get mm. myself in trouble here. And I literally sat and I sat on the phone and I explained the damage they'd done um, the amount it would be, the fact that not only that one bedroom, but two of the hospitality spaces would be out of use and it's a home game. This is what we do. And I was like, this is the compensation that we'd need. And they wouldn't have it. They, we went backwards and forwards for ages until eventually I got them. I managed to mitigate and get well, like well at least a portion back. But if that had gone wrong... I probably you were wouldn't right be there. The wire there. I was literally you? like, I'd have probably lost my job because not only would that have happened in the hotel, I'd have actually lost that production company for other business they had with us as well. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I need to fix it. I mean, you know, the, the room was out of order, but at least we got the compensation to cover a bit. Mm. But that was like, I've only been here like a month, wow, two months. How about you? I make mistakes all the time, so I couldn't possibly pinpoint one <laughs> for you. Too many. But what I've learned to do is just own up to the mistakes straight away. In the past, I would like try yeah. and cover them up. I'd be like mm -hmm. petrified of getting things wrong. And that's coming from a strict family. I think it like it's built into you. Yeah, don't, don't mess up. Yeah. So now if I make a mistake, I'm like, I'll go to my like senior or like the CEO and be like, look, I've messed up on this. Here's mm -hmm. my solution. Or be can you help me find one? Yeah. I think transparency is key. But I just 
like finishing off, like touching on what you said around accountability, these roles, whether you like it or not, have commercial sales targets on top yeah. of them. So like we have six entry points a year for our university, September, November, January, February, April, and June. Wow, your no, work never stops. It's year round recruitment, which is probably the same for big corporates, which I've done before. But to have year round recruitment targets for students, when you want to recruit the right people for the right courses, you want to make sure that that's right for them. And also it's a startup. We're only three years old so every single student counts every working ones and twos that's what we say it's not about thousands like man met a uni of so the pressure that we feel in these roles the extra scrutiny that we get for being like relatively young in these roles females in these roles ethnic minorities in these roles mums in these roles yeah. like i think that there's a lot to be said for anyone that's got a big target on the head or has a spotlight on them in any role whether you're the faculty lead in, in what you're doing there's a lot to be said for people that actually give themselves a break a pat on the back mm. and say do you know what i made a mistake today or i, I yeah. did my worst work and you but saw I'm right. proud of myself and that completely echoes what we do at school so when we have a kid that messes up the biggest thing is say right you've made the mistake you've, yeah. messed up, you've punched the wall you've sworn you've done whatever hold your hands up mm -hmm. and say do you know what I've yeah. done this. Done it. i shouldn't have done it mm -hmm. and this is how i'm going to do yeah, it yeah yeah now, last thing, just before we finish, I think the biggest takeaway from this episode for anyone that's listening is the power of your environment and the environment that you're in mm. and you work in a disruptive environment, a mm -hmm. forward thinking environment. What is it like? What is it like working in these companies that are really leading in what they're doing on the ground as a Northern girl? I think for me, it was game changing. I think for so long, for so long, as much as I've had a lot of experience in other businesses, I always felt like I had to act a certain way. So like Izzy's just referred to them being a mum. I remember sitting in my first board meeting. Um, I was a head of a department. I worked in Liverpool. It was great. Sat in my first board meeting there. And I remember panicking because it went significantly over and I didn't have the guts to say I needed to leave to get my kids from nursery. Oh. And in the end, my youngest was two at the time and he had to do food safety hygiene with the nursery nurses for an hour. And there was nothing I could do about it. Whereas it took me a while to be like, right, you know what? No, I, I need to, if I need to go, I need to go. So I think I was always, I was always thinking I needed to act a certain way or I was too scared to say anything about your home life when people ask you, because as soon as I started, as soon as I said something about having a, I mean, Saffron is now 16 and it does happen still now, but whenever I would talk about it, I've lost the retention straight away and they start to tick back in the head how old I am or, what yeah, yeah and it, it really that used to throw me off yeah. yeah so for all that time I think I battled with that quite a lot um but now being where I am it's like you know what anything goes mm -hmm. I think I've got the freedom to be myself and that's the way it should be that's it but how the freedom empowering to be must that be yeah that's yeah. it it's me and it's it take it as it is you know I can sell I don't have to walk in in my in my suit, do love a suit. Don't have to walk in in my suit because mm -hmm. you, you're buying me and what I what solution I can give you with hotel football. You, you're not buying whether I have done this, this, and this, and I've got my four inch heels on or yeah, whatever yeah. with my with my suit on. It, yeah, I, I don't. I think it's that freedom to be. Yeah, yourself. that's important because what you're saying there is it's not image, it's substance. No. Yeah, so yeah. you can wear a suit, you can wear yeah. your heels, but you at your job. Yeah, that's yeah. it. For see people for the substance. Exactly. Not, not, not yeah. people by people. I think working in a disruptive environment, 
like if it's a startup, if it's really established and they're really disruptive, they're innovative, they're pioneering, you can always be yourself. Mm. If you work in a really stagnant environment that has no dynamism and is not disruptive and does things the way they've always do things, that, you're always conforming. Yeah. So if anyone's like listening in today and they're like, oh my God, I just want somewhere that I can be myself, look for the cultures that are unapologetically disruptive because yeah. they're the places that will embrace your diversity of thought, opinion, upbringing, background, responsibilities, heritage. They will take that and they will run with it and they will appreciate your creative contribution as a result but now I think people that are looking for roles have the power more than ever so mm. I like keep speaking to people who are not happy in their jobs because they can't influence change it's not disruptive they're not enjoying their day-to-day -day, and I say to them just leave which is really arrogant and I don't mean it in that way but like find the companies mm. like ours of which there are loads like we are very special yeah. to work for a class of 92 company there's nothing like it but there's loads of other organizations Similar. who have the same vibe and just like don't settle because you can find somewhere where you can be yourself and when you can go into work every day it doesn't feel like a chore the drive does but everything yeah. else yeah. is lush I love it it's yeah. give and I mean, take. that's it it's like you, oh, I think we again we said it before um before we came on to speak to you guys today you, you're not here for a very long time are you and if you if you get if you get to the point where you don't like what you're doing, you've got to change Bad it. Change, yeah. Just be, take, be brave enough to take that one next one step. step. And that's what we were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Now, before we finish, oh my God, massive thank you for A, coming all this way, you know, and back into the small no, town of Burnley. <laughs> but we're so appreciative and we've made an active effort. I was saying to you earlier, Jess, when we were speaking, that when we were drawing up a list of who we wanted to speak to, we literally put you down first, along with some other women who've supported us from day one when we were just this daft page who takes the mic, which pretty much is what we are at the moment. But we're so, so <laughs> thankful. But we're finishing every podcast with this question and I assume it's what you've had because it's late. Very late now. What have you had for your tea? Oh, oh, we're going to sound so stuck on I know now. we are, aren't we? We're going to the city. Here we go. Shout out small business. We'll shout out small business. Rotten Stall. Yeah. Anyone know Rotten Stall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Avucheria, it's called. Being oh, Italian. I mispronounced that and insulted a lot of Italians. <laughs> it's but right, it's, it's right. in the old bank. It's a beautiful building. They, we've had Beef Carpaccio. We've had Fricatelli pepper, peppers, oh meatballs. And I've got that crusty quiche. I've got crusty in my bag. I've not even had it yet. Oh, we had I a would recommend wine. it. It's a little, little oh, nice special place from Rotten Store. And it feels like you're in Manchester to an extent, but yeah. it's a bit more love, local. Love that. So that's what we have for tea. And yeah. if you're listening, we need you to follow our lovely guests on socials. Yes, you please. are at... At Just Busy Izzy on Instagram. Yep. At Jess Southworth. Think. I think you're, you're fine. Just just yes, fine. It's me, you'll find me. Girls, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Northern really girls can that. make it in the city yeah. and we can become directors of And you can have city and town life. Both. Oh. Yeah. Thank Easy. you so much. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. We are